0: This is episode number 149 with NFL linebacker, A.J. Hawk. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. What is up, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me today on the School of Greatness podcast. My name is Lewis Howes and I'm very excited about today's guest. His name is Mr. A.J. Hawk. Now, A.J. and I met through Aubrey Marcus, who's been on the show and who's the sponsor here. And uh, it's pretty cool how we got reconnected this way. And A.J. actually reached out to Aubrey and said, hey, I'd like to have Lewis on my podcast, on uh, A.J. Hawk's uh, podcast that he's got, which I'll link up here in the show notes. And I was recently on there, had a great time, but I said, listen, man, I would love to have you on my show. You were actually uh, you know, someone I looked up to when I was playing college football. He was like the god at Ohio State at the time and was just dominating an All-American, top linebacker in the country, uh, first round draft pick, and he's just been really inspiring to watch his career over the last nine, 10 years. So I said, we got to bring you on and I want to talk to you about what it's been like growing up, your mindsets. Uh, how you trained as a kid, how you got into Ohio State, the journey in the NFL, and now the transition to what's next. So um, I'm excited to bring him on. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this episode with the one and only Mr. A.J. Hawk.
1: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com businessgoldcard. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We have a legend on today. His name is Mr. A.J. Hawk. What's up, A.J.? What's up, Lewis?
2: (laughs) Good to uh, be here. I love that your energy and your intro, man. It makes me just, (laughs) yeah, gosh, I can't match your your energy and passion, but I love it. Big fan of yours.
0: Thanks, man. I'm a... You know, I'm honestly really grateful and blessed to be having this conversation with you right now for a couple of reasons, and I actually just got off your podcast, The Hot Cast, which I'm going to have it linked up here below on the show notes. I'll put the link to the video for that one and to your website, but I'm actually really honored to be talking with you, and it's it's a true privilege and pleasure of mine to be able to interview you because, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you were someone that I really looked up to and we were graduating the same time in college. And I remember watching your games. I would watch highlights from Ohio state football because I was playing at a capital, just, you know, a couple miles away from you. And I would go to games on our bye week and I would watch on TV at your night games when I was playing during the day. And I was so inspired by who you were and your way of being and like your passion and your energy that you brought to the field. I was like, man, this guy's incredible. And it's been fun to watch you now. I think nine or 10 years in the NFL, fifth round, fifth pick, I believe overall in the first round of the draft in 2005. I think that was, and we, uh, you know, this is actually our first time talking, but we met 10 years ago.
2: We did pro yeah, day, Lewis. pro day. Pro Day. You just snagging balls left and right out of the <laughs> air. Probably. Uh, well, Troy, did Troy Smith throw to you? He wasn't done yet. He redshirted. He was in my class, but he probably threw to the guy. Who was it?
0: It was another guy. Uh, who was the backup? The white Was it dude?
2: Zwick? Yes. It was Zwick? Okay.
0: Zwick was throwing, and it was me, Santelio Holmes, and then the tight end at the time. I forget his name.
2: Was it, it, might, it was probably Hamby. Ryan Hamby yes. was the tight end. Yes, yep. that
0: was him. It was us <laughs> three running routes. Here's what I remember of you. I remember walking into that. Uh, I don't remember what that place is called. but Woody the, Hayes Athletic Woody percent. Hayes, yeah, the indoor facility. It's like this incredible, I don't know, $50 million facility or something crazy probably. But a huge, you know, full football field in there. I was so intimidated walking into this place because it was like, first off, you dream of being there as a kid. And then there's like 10 head coaches from the NFL and like 300 scouts or something on the sidelines and the whole Ohio State football team. And all you guys are there. There's like five first-round picks that year, I think, from Ohio State. And then it was me and like a couple other D2 guys or something. And I was so out of place, so intimidated. And um, it was just so inspiring to watch how you guys did everything. And it was well, crazy.
2: I uh, it, I think it was kind of – it's intimidating for everybody, not just you. Obviously, you being, <laughs> a, being an outsider coming into that, yeah, oh that gosh. had to be really weird. That had to be really tough because I remember just how awkward it was, like, getting ready in the locker room and you come out. Just to like, you know, go through some drills and run a 40 and do little drills and bench press. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you walk out and there's just all these older dudes standing (laughs) there. Stopwatches. Yeah. And just judging you. And you're thinking, like at the time, all right, if I drop one ball, I'm done. They're going to, I'm never going to play football again. They'll never take me and things like that. So it was, it was a a weird experience for everybody.
0: Did you really feel that though? I mean, you were, I think, two time All American in college and you were the best linebacker that year in college. Did you feel like, any doubts like if I mess this up, I'm not gonna get drafted?
2: I don't I didn't have like doubts about myself or any kind of like thing like that, but I definitely I, I think it was a good thing. I, I think back now, it was a good thing that I was so young and stupid and didn't even <laughs> have like the I didn't have Bears. yeah, like I didn't have the <laughs> the brain to really think about consequences <laughs> or think about what was coming in the future. I was just like, Yeah, I'm gonna go, hopefully I run fast today. And I, I looked at it more just like as a, a competition. Like, all right, let's let's do it, man. I, I'm excited to get out there and catch every ball. But I, I don't think I thought like, oh, if I drop a ball, I'm gonna not not get drafted. But I definitely thought like every single little thing is being nitpicked here. I knew all these these old coaches in there were gonna be sitting there, kind of nitpicking, going over every single little thing that we do, and not only that what we did and as far as the drills and our time, but I, I know they were watching us to see how we kind of interact with the other players, how you mm-hmm. interact with coaches and what you do. When I look back now, I, I, see, I think more of that, but at the time, I wasn't really thinking too much of that. But I, uh, I was like, well, I'll, just, I'll go out there, whatever, be myself and see what happens. Hopefully run a fast 40.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did you run that day?
2: Well, people get like mad because Ohio State supposedly had like, they're, oh, you guys run it downhill thirty-eight and a half yards. <laughs> people always say that because we'd run fast. I mean, that's the other weird thing at pro days—you would, you never would get like one official time because every coach yeah. thinks that they're the guru of the stopwatch and they all have <laughs> their time. So I had anywhere from like a a mid four four to like a a four six basically that yeah. day.
0: I remember, oh, man, I was I went to. Houston, Texas, and trained for like two months prior to that at a specific facility with like a lot of NFL prospects and did the whole training thing. And I remember like being – I got my bench up to like 15 reps at 225 for me, which was pretty good because before I could only do like seven uh, two months prior. And I like got so lean and fast. I was just like a training machine for two months, doing everything to prepare for that one moment. And I remember having everything ready to go when I got there. And I was like, okay, cool. I got my cleats. I got the shoes to jump with and everything. And I'm ready to go for the 40. And they're like, oh, we're gonna do it over on this astroturf. And I yep. was and all you guys had freaking spikes on, like track spikes. And I was like, no, I was so sad because I knew my 40 was <laughs> my weakest thing. I had like these slippery tennis shoes that i had to run on
2: you should have asked one of us man we would let you wear Dude. some of the little our oh. little track shoe things we had bought because i think a couple other guys had had uh their shoes either like ripped or something happened and we we would let oh, guys man. borrow man you should have asked me
0: oh i was so intimidated i was like just trying to like not get in the way of anyone you know dang yeah. it I wish I would have asked now 10 years ago you'd still um, be
2: playing still
0: I, maybe be I'd be playing, playing. maybe I would have been doing this podcast with you right now
2: I should have I should have looked out I should have saw, saw a brother in need <laughs> thanks get for looking out bro <laughs> damn I'm sorry about that and
0: I think I ran like a 4.7 something like and it was just I couldn't get that first step I had no grip and I remember just being like I blew it Um, and but it came down then I got to the last moment where I got to run the routes it was me and Santonio and we talked about this before but Santonio was like falling and dropping balls and I was catching everything and looking clean. And I will never forget the Giants uh assistant coach. I don't know his name. He came up to me afterwards. He goes, I don't know who you are, where you came from, but you looked a hell of a lot better than Santonio out here today. And I hope you get picked up. And I was like, for me, that was like, oh my God. From coming from a D three school, I was like, wow. That had cool. to feel
2: that had to feel pretty good, didn't it? It was like
0: it was like it just confirmed, like, even if I don't play in the NFL, like I knew I could play with these guys. Like Maybe they're better than me, but I could I could be in a game and be effective. You know, I'm not the fastest, biggest, but it was like, all right, I I got here, I made it to the Ohio State Pro Day. It was a fun experience.
2: But you're an athlete, and you played you're a football player, man. That exactly. that trumps that trumps everything when you get out on the field.
0: Exactly. And I knew I was not good at the 40 speed, but it's like throw a ball from the air with three guys on me, and I'm gonna catch it. You know, that was it. Yes. So it's all good. I'm I'm very grateful for where I'm at now, and and it was it's been incredible to watch your career, and um, what I'm curious about, since we talked about the pro day, what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself from that moment? I'm always curious about what people learn about themselves from big moments. And that, you could argue, was a deciding big moment um, test to determine where you would end up, Some might, some might say. And what did you learn about yourself through that process?
2: Well, it definitely was like a... A learning moment. Uh, I've never really thought like that. That's why you're great at this, man. Um, <laughs> that's why you have. That's why so many people listen because you you come up. You know, those those are questions that you ask, guys. And I would say, looking back now, I learned that like when when the pressure was on, and and you should have nerves and anxiety and all this stuff. That I could. I, I think that was just one a big step, like a, a big notch in my own brain. That I I could I can handle this, you know, because going into it, you I probably two weeks before that I was at the combine <clears throat> and there's a big, there's a big, like they make a big stink out of, if you're going to, if you're going to run your 40 at the combine, Like, are you going to run here? You're going to wait for your pro day. And I, like I said, I, I'm glad that I was dumb. And I was like, I'm running both. What do you mean? Why wouldn't I run right. in both places? And so I ran to the combine. I wasn't very happy with my, my time. And so I was like, of course I'm running my 40 again at Ohio state, but we did like 10 minutes of, Individual drills that day. I remember it, that you yeah. and Bobby,
0: you and Bobby Carpenter, right?
2: Yeah, and Anthony Schlegel. So just us <laughs> three and a, a linebacker coach. I think he was from the Bengals at the time. it's just putting us through the paces. You, you guys were boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah, it's ten minutes straight, and the whole thing. I, the whole time, I was like, all right, I can do anything for ten minutes. And so <laughs> we're just all balls to the walls, you know, thinking that every single step we take is going to be a, uh, you know, we're going to slide in the draft or whatever. And I, I realized when it was all done, it felt so good. I remember we went out. Maybe the, that weekend, um, my brother-in-law Brady Quinn came in. He was still at Notre Dame playing football there, and him and his buddies came in town for something. And we all went out together. And it just like, kind of, it just felt good to have that over with. And thinking, all right, well, this garbage is out of the way. Now I can play football again, hopefully with whoever gives me a chance and whoever drafts me. So it was almost like, you know, hopefully there's no moment too big. Hopefully there's no uh, any kind of pressure. I think that that especially athletes have you put on yourself, and that's. My wife and I joke about it. She's like the most competitive person on the planet. She'll, I I tell people she's in a pickup soccer game. She's getting in fights <laughs> with girls and stuff. And you better, I so said, you better you better kill her because she's gonna come back and get you in your sleep. She's not. She, when she wakes up from her coma. She's coming after you. And that's I joke funny, with her man. about that. And that's kind of, I I hope the uh, I learned about myself just that uh, I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna ever give in to any pressure. And it, it, sometimes it's easy to to not give it 100%. I've learned that mm. throughout being in the NFL that in your mind you can like rationalize thinking, well, I didn't, I wasn't trying anyway, you know, they cut me but I wasn't <laughs> really trying, you know, like I don't ever want to be that guy and I've seen it happen with people when they know something bad might happen so they don't give it their all and they don't try 100% and then you can like rationalize it for the rest of your life when you mm. go into something and with that.
0: Why do you think they do that? Is because they're afraid that they're going to fail giving 100%? They're not Exactly.
2: Giving- I think it's like a a coping mechanism. It's like a Mm -hmm. protection thing over themselves because I've had little like glimpses here and there of thinking, "Wow, that's stupid anyway. I don't care. I don't want to, I don't like pool anyway. Like if I get beat by my brother in a pool, game of pool, um, I've had things like that. Not luckily, not with football. I've always felt like I need to, give it you know everything i got cuz i wasn't born a freak like most of the guys i play yeah. with so i have to work for it and um but yeah i think it's something when i've seen a the, the couple of guys that that fall victim to that when they don't give it everything cuz they might have a like an inkling that they might not make the team or They might not be around next year. They might not make the play or, you know, might not get off the bench. They, It's almost like they have this – sometimes they can fall into a trap of having like this attitude like, ah, whatever, man. It's uh, it's whatever. I'll figure it out after this. And so when – if they get cut or it doesn't work out, you can tell your buddies and tell your friends, oh, it's fine. I don't even like those guys.
0: Right. Interesting. When when was the moment you decided that you were going to be in the NFL? Like how old were you when you were like, you know what, this is what I want to do?
2: I think from a young age, man, I mean, um, you know, probably first grade or before first grade. Wow, really? Whatever that is, like six, seven, eight years old. um, I played football, baseball, and basketball my whole life. And basketball was my sport, to be honest. People don't believe me now that didn't see me play. (laughs) They just see me as just a, you know, meathead football guy. But I was point guard my whole life. Wow. Grew up playing all that AAU basketball, travel, and all that. But it's pretty tough to get a scholarship in basketball. Is, uh you gotta score a hundred points and be seven feet tall oh, exactly. basically. Exactly. And so I, I wasn't doing that. So I knew football was my path. But I knew football was gonna be my path probably my freshman year in high school, maybe. Um, but I definitely didn't ever think of I didn't ever think of playing the NFL as a reality. I thought of really? it as like, nah, I, I was again it was it's almost like a it's a good thing I looking back now that I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I was just I honestly was just there like I just went to school found a way to get through school graduate and find a way to get to practice and and we had so much respect for my coaches and everything about like the whole program in my high school and then college and the pros that I I was just I'm just kind of there I feel like and yeah it, I never I never had like the thing where like I never went to college to go you hear a lot of guys talking like, about well, you know if you go to Ohio State or Alabama you know your best chance of going to the league you know go play in the NFL I don't have I never had that going in But to play in the NFL, I honestly didn't think of it as a reality until probably, like, after my junior year of college, I think. What? I I mean, I wanted to – no, it was always, like, a fantasy, you know. It's always Uh like, oh, that'd be cool, man. But I would, like (laughs) – when I was a kid, I would see guys – I would see like every once in a while you'd run into someone and you'd see like an old guy sitting there, and someone would tell you, Oh, hey, that guy played, uh, that guy played it for the Uh practice squad for the Browns for a year. And it was like this dude was Jesus to us. We just, I remember this dude,
0: and we and watch his every move
2: exactly. We just stare at him sitting there drinking his Budweiser, probably smoking a (laughs) cigarette. And so it was never like a thing that was actually there for me, you know, like it wasn't like, uh... Yeah, of course I'm going to go get drafted and play in the NFL. That was a like a fantasy, you know, and I think it uh, I, that helped me. I think I'm I'm glad now looking back because it's just so different now just with like recruiting and everything where people are going to go, they're going to pick their college off of who's going to get them, give them the best chance to go to the NFL instead of picking a college because you love it and you want to be a part of a team and you want to win a national championship. And I've always kind of had the weird – team mentality, uh, in my brain. I'm the youngest of three boys. I've been, I got beat up my whole life, man. So I just, uh, they've, if I ever thought I was cool, don't worry. They, they kill me.
0: (laughs) That's good. They keep you grounded. Um, you know, when I was growing up, there were really two, I would say logos slash jerseys that I wanted to wear growing up, uh, when I was older. And that was Ohio state Jersey and a USA Jersey. I wanted to represent my country and go to the Olympics and be an Olympian, but I also wanted to play football at Ohio State. And um, I've been super blessed and fortunate. After I got injured playing football, I said, listen, I'm still going to chase my dreams. And I, I picked up a new sport called team handball, which is an Olympic sport. And I've been fortunate enough to represent my country and play a sport all around the world with USA Jersey on and, you know, sing the national anthem before international competition. I haven't played in the Olympics yet, but I've worn that jersey with the USA. I'm curious to know what the feeling was like for you the first time you put on Ohio State jersey.
2: Oh, it was uh, it was nuts. I um, I was just freshly 18 years old. Got there. Um, I went up the summer right after I graduated high school, and I would go to like the summer workouts in June and July with the team. So I'm seeing these guys – Mike Doss, Donnie, Nicky, Matt yeah. Wilhelm, Craig Krenzel, all these dudes. And they're all they are all huge celebrities to me. They're all like, you know, it's like. I'll I watch, watch Sports
0: Illustrated and stuff and ESPN, right? Yeah,
2: like I watch these guys like I watch Tom Cruise on the TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So to see them and then I'm like, oh, man, I'm like wearing the same workout gear as them. I'm out here doing drills with them. So. All, all you're ever looking for is like a tiny little thing, of hey, good job, man, or whatever. Right. You know, I, they don't know your name, they don't know anything. I remember I got asked multiple times. We had a lot of, we had a stud recruiting class my freshman year. We brought in four linebackers, and so I was definitely the, the fourth on the list coming in. And I remember I got asked by multiple current players on the team at the time, like, what, uh, what are you doing here? You're not on scholarship, are you? Like they would ask me. Why I was no in the way. main part. Yeah, like I'm in the main part of the locker room. Wow. Like, well, are you, are you on, you got a full ride? I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, man. I think so, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so I saw that early, but then that first game at home, yeah, are you kidding me? Just getting dressed like in the locker room. So walking out of the tunnel, it felt, um, definitely was, uh, you know, the definition of like a surreal moment, thinking uh, all these people and you hear about it, you know, over 100,000 people going crazy, cheering for you. Like I said, the guys that were next to me were all huge celebrities to me those were the guys that I I never thought I'd be there I I mm-hmm. couldn't believe it uh, and even though I just got done going through a training camp with them and battling through the summer heat on for a month but that first game was something uh, it was just so weird like just just unbelievable they uh, I got it was against Texas Tech I was playing special teams and then backing up C Grant an unbelievable linebacker mm-hmm. and a great guy too a great great dude still Still see him uh, every once in a while. He's a really good dude. From from day one, he was so cool to me. So I give a lot of uh, respect for him. But we started, we were killing him, and they put us in, put some of us freshmen in at the end. And Cliff Kingsbury was the quarterback for Texas Tech. Mm. And uh, he was rolling out on our sideline, and it was going to, like, throw a ball. And he threw a ball away. Uh, He threw it just out of bounds way down the field. And I just killed him with a forearm, (laughs) like his chin like i there's a, i have a picture i think my dad has it somewhere where i was like <laughs> fully launched into him in my right arm elbow i'm actually doing the move right now you can't see me it was up <laughs> like aiming for his throat like going right after him would would wow. definitely been fined now
0: <laughs> ruthless
2: in the, in the nfl they'd find you know, they would probably flag to me now in college but they didn't have those rules that was 2002 yeah. so it was uh that felt so good to get that first big hit out of the way you know in the shoe
0: when it didn't matter
2: when and the, it? it was a quarterback <laughs> falling out of bounds, so it, it's not like I, it's not like I feel tough about it. It just right. Anytime yeah. you hit somebody, it feels
0: good. It does, man. That's hilarious. Wow. Too in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award winning app, State Farm, lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When was the moment at Ohio State where you made a play that was so big and you realized that you were such an integral part of the team? Like maybe you've been making a bunch of plays and there was like this one moment you were like, whoa, okay, I've secured my starting spot. I'm now one of the leaders on the team. I now feel confident in my abilities and I'm ready to take it to the next level. Whoo!
2: Another good one. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I like these questions you are making me think back on things that I've never really given a whole lot of thought. Um I don't know if there's exactly one play or one moment um going into my sophomore year in training camp like I was, you know, pretty much pegged to be, you know, one of the starting linebackers of of the 3 but, um, I mean, I think even before that, I kind of had moments where I knew, like, okay, I can do this. You know, I belong and I feel good. We played that freshman year I had. I mean, you talk about stepping into the right place at the right time. We went 14-0 and and won the national championship my rookie <laughs> year. My I remember year. this. So, for so come on, Marie- Maurice Claret, man. <laughs> exactly. Me and Marie, we're in the same class. We came in together. So, it's Amazing. like. Amazing. What a uh, what an unbelievable experience, man! And I remember on the field after the game, we're like, yeah, let's do this every year. Like talking to all the guys, <laughs> and why not? We're no big deal. Yeah, come back next year. So, but during that year, um, we played at Wisconsin, and C got hurt; he rolled his ankle pretty bad. And I played the whole second half. I think we won the game like fourteen to nine, or one of those you know, yeah. just bruiser games. And their O line was just monster, just coming out trying to maul me. And I'm all skinny and young, trying to play with these grown men. But I got in there and got to make like a decent amount of tackles and got to chase the ball carry down a few times and take on the center and, you know, headbutt multiple, multiple of these big linemen that to me were like old grizzly vet, you know, men. And I felt like a little boy. Sure. And I kind of could tell after getting some good shots in on guys, I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm, I'm cool. You know, I felt good about it. And then got to start. I think the next game we played Penn State. I don't know. I usually don't remember games like I'm remembering this, but my freshman year is pretty vivid for me. And uh, I got to start the game, I I got like a tipped interception, you know, one of those cheap ones. And uh, it felt good. That was at home and it felt great. And we won that game by a narrow margin and and kept on rolling. And C came back in the lineup and I just played sparingly throughout the rest of the year. But I I think I kind of had a couple moments in my freshman year of it. Mm. Not to say that I was like a leader or anything then or anything. I just felt like I was confident. Yeah, I was confident. Interesting.
0: Man, there's so much I could talk about of Ohio State stuff because I'm just a fan and curious about it in general. But uh what was the best Michigan moment?
2: Oh, there's a lot of them. Uh so I'm three and one against Michigan. Uh should have got that. We lost my sophomore year. They had a they had a really good team. Um my senior year, we went there to Michigan. It was uh Troy Smith was had stepped in and been playing quarterback for most of the year for us. Um and we were down, had a crazy, unbelievable comeback and beat them, you know, in their house, uh, senior year. And it kind of locked us into a BCS bowl. And that's where we went and played in the Fiesta bowl after that. But being on their field after the game just felt great. You know, we, uh, a, there's like a iconic throw and catch from Troy Smith to Anthony Gonzalez, and he caught it like on their five yard line, and then we ran the ball in, and you know, the rest is history. We won. There wasn't like one specific play or anything from the game, but just the whole feeling afterwards. My my good buddy Bobby Carpenter got hurt in that game. In the first play, first play, James Lernerida steps in as a freshman, and and played really well. So. And then just the locker room after that game was awesome. Eddie George was in the locker room, and it just like, Eddie was so pumped, like just so <laughs> excited. I'm like, why? This is awesome. Why is Eddie here? Why is he so excited? <laughs> and he was just – he's such a – you know, it, it's true for Ohio State people. <laughs> they understand. Eddie was just loving it, man. And uh, just that whole feeling, I don't know if that ever even wore off. We kind of took that through our whole bowl practice in the next month and a half and went and won the Fiesta Bowl after that.
0: Mm, that's awesome. What are some of the rituals that you used in – and you knew this was coming because we talked about this on your episode. But what were some of the rituals that you applied to your training, both physically and mentally, in high school and then to college and then now into the pros? On each uh, you know, season, let's say that high school is a season, college is a season, pros is a season, which ones – talk about the different rituals in training physically and mentally, but also which ones have you kept along Through the last twenty years, and which uh, and other things, what have you picked up?
2: Well, I've never been a big like uh, superstitious guy. A lot of people are in sports; they're very superstitious, especially like a sport like baseball. Those guys, these guys, have everything they got to do before they before every single pitch comes to them. You know, the batters are undoing their gloves and hitting their cleats. They got five hundred routines. I don't really have any specific like. Superstitions where I have to do. A lot of players have things where they got to wear a certain like undershirt. They got to tape their wrists certain ways. I I I don't have any of that. Um, I would say one of the things when I was younger, like middle school, high school, I started. You know, it's Ohio, man. I started lifting weights in like sixth grade. <laughs> sixth grade, I think. Exactly. Like I guess I had two older brothers, and they were both. They played varsity football, and I wanted to be them. So I would yeah. wake up before school and go down in our scrubby little weight room in our basement and do lap pull downs. You know, so yeah. it was just one of those things. Uh. But I was, school, you would lift. Oh yeah, you know, like I thought, you know, I don't know. I was such a – like I talk about it all the time, such a meathead. Not like I'm not now. I still claim <laughs> right. I understand. I'm not, not big like a lot of these meathead guys are. West right. Side Barbell here in Columbus. They're crazy but, uh, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, but um,
0: like rituals and stuff. <sighs> so, like every morning, did you have a? A ritual where you're like, I have to eat a certain way, or I'm gonna work. You know, did you run every morning? Did you lift every morning after practice? Were you watching game film? Was there like something you were doing differently that other people weren't doing to help you get to where you are?
2: I think starting at a young age when I was really young, um, and then when I really amplified it was when I got in high school was like that that morning stuff. For some reason I was big into the whole I needed to get my workout in early and I felt it just something about it, like felt good in my brain that, you know, I, school, I got to get on the bus at seven 30 for school. You know, I'm going to be up at five 40. I'm going to be down wow. in the weight room. And my dad, will, my dad will come moseying down with his cup of coffee and our golden retriever, you know, when I'm 30 minutes in and super sweaty and doing leg press and stuff down there. So I, I thought that was like, honestly, my only ritual type thing that I felt like I had to do. Mm-hmm. And it was that little thing where you're young and, you feel uh, really guilty if you would miss one for some reason. So, like, I remember just tr- sometimes, like, I don't care. It's gonna happen regardless. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it down there. I'm gonna lift. I'd be like, <laughs> oh wow. You know, it's every once in a while you get the flu or you're super sick, and I just like find a way to get <laughs> the down there. And just, it. Yeah, and I'm not doing any. Like, I think I'm lifting. And I'm just probably hurting. You know, definitely hurting myself. But I think <laughs> that's like my foundation because I watched my older brothers do that, and so I just wanted yeah. to be like them. And that's kind of something I've always felt like I need to. Do you I've still taken, lift in the mornings? Uh it depends. I mean, most times it depends on like with the teams. When when, when we're working out as a team, it depends. I always right. lift in the earliest group we have, and I always did that through college. But now, um, mm-hmm. like off season time when I work out, it depends. I don't. I don't. It's not as much a morning thing because I have two kids, and I don't really. Yeah. It, I, it's good for. I feel like it actually helps me to wake up and. Get them all situated, and help my wife, and do all that, and it's fun to drop them off at their little school or daycare they go to because they like give me power, man. It's weird. It's a weird thing. I know you don't, wow. you don't have, you had, you don't have any kids, but I've joked about it. Like every kid I have, I feel like I'm getting stronger. I've wow. joked with, I've joked with the, the people in the media in Green Bay before. Like I was like, I got, I'm trying to get some of that dad strength. You know, you see these guys, <laughs> old man strength, man. Yeah, people have this old man strength, it's these nuts. big old forearms, and I'm like,
0: damn, I'll never be that so big. strong. Yeah.
2: And I still don't feel that, but I was like every kid I have, it just another just it just juices me up. Your man. Bones
0: get a little thicker.
2: They do. It's something about it. And I love it, man. My 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 daughter's a little like um she's like a little free spirit singer, dancer. She says she wants to be a rock star and have her hair, she wants to dye her hair purple and be a rock star. that um, she sings all the time. And that like inspires me. It's so awesome to see how like free she is. Wow. And then my son is a little two-year-old little meatball Neanderthal who <laughs> Has a sweet long mohawk we cut into his hair. And he's just unreal, man. Like, he'll sit there and headbutt me and just laugh. And he heads but, head, he'll headbutt me so hard. And it's like sometimes he'll get me in the right spot where it's, you know, when you get hit and you're like, you have like, you have like a natural reaction. Like, oh, God, you wanna like punch the guy back? <laughs> I don't have that. I don't have the urge to punch my son ever. I wanna make sure that's clear. But I, he'll headbutt me so hard and he, it never phases this dude. And, <laughs> It's like, and I start saying, I'm like, that's right, buddy. His name is Hendrix. I'm like, that's right, Hendrix. This is, it's a hawk family tradition. Your nose, your nose is made of <laughs> granite and your head's like concrete, you know? So you're not gonna, uh, can't break that thing. That's your moneymaker. And so I just joke with him. But it, even though I'm like joking and I say stuff like that around my wife and my kids, I, there's a shred of truth to it always. It's something about it, man. I don't know. Like, I can't. It's annoying, I'm sure, for people to hear that don't have kids or think I'm just stupid, but I understand that, trust me. Um, but something about having them I know I got off on a tangent, but having them taking care of them first thing in the morning and seeing them and like getting they like power me up. I don't know. I don't know how to describe That's it, cool. but they do. It's just That's their cool. their freedom and their curiosity, I think, does it.
0: That's cool. What do you think is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself over the last – is it nine or ten years you've been in the league now? Nine years. Nine years. What's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself with the one team? You've been with the Green Bay Packers. They they just released you recently, and I'm not sure where you're going next. Um, But what's what have you learned over the last nine years, the biggest – maybe the top three lessons you've learned about yourself?
2: Um, uh, I don't know if I can put it into three, but I would say – I've learned that there's no, like, there's no secret pill to making someone successful or making someone have, like, longevity in the NFL. And, and you know, as a, being an athlete, there's, there's guys that are born just absolute freaks. monsters. Absolute freaks. Like, we got we have guys all over the NFL that if you try to explain it to, we've gotten, like, arguments with my mom because my brother played college football too, and, and he knows. There's some guys, like, and the majority of the guys in the NFL are just physical specimens, and they were born that way. Some guys, you know, they'll... Eat, you know, eat sausage gravy and fruity pebbles, and not have to work out. And they just shredded. Have, yeah, have freaks. a twelve pack. Yeah, twelve pack and run a four or three. There's there's a lot of those guys around the NFL, but the thing that I've learned, those guys are around, but those guys don't hang around mm. if they don't find a way to kind of take care of themselves and take care of their body and stay with it and and not ride the old roller coaster of like the ups and downs that that a season and a whole career can bring for sure because, yeah. man, day-to-day day in football, you know it. It's, it's a like, grind. Oh, yeah, and it's like one day, if you let it all kind of get to you, it's such the, the amounts of highs and lows that happen just in one day, even in practice and meetings, are crazy, let alone a game, you know, when you give up a big player, you miss a tackle or oh, drop man. a ball. It's like you got to find a way to rebound and, and keep your head down and keep going, and I've had to, like, live that. I've always kind of said that and then I, I've definitely learned that I gotta I gotta live that, man. I gotta I gotta do what I've been telling my kids and telling people I'm, you know, just stay consistent, stay mm. stay the course and keep my plan and my plan it it's always, you know, it's ever it's ebbs and flows, but it doesn't really change the core like principles of, of how I approach it.
0: Right. What um how important is uh preparing and watching game film for you and how do you analyze Pre-game and film
2: it's really important it's a thing that people like to talk about a lot players certain players love to talk about how much film they watch it's like a brag people like to brag about it. oh i watched 15 hours of film like all right well <laughs> tell me tell me one thing tell me their top three formations that you didn't read in the scouting report that your coach gave you you know that happens a lot um mm-hmm. and i've learned from the older guys when i was young they taught me you know they kind of teach you how to study film and you might be looking for You got to go in. The thing that I've learned that helps me the most is I learned this in college. I got to go in with some. It's just like life. I go in with some kind of intent when I'm watching a film. Say I watch a game, a full game of a team, because you can watch full games. A lot of times you're watching cut ups of say just their first and second down runs, like from every game of the season. I'll go in with like an intent, thinking, say, say I'm watching a whole game, um, and it's early in the week for a team we play. I might go in saying, all right. I want to see what they, what it looks like, what they're going to do, second, second and ten after a first down incomplete pass or something. You know, like some kind of intent. So have some kind of little thing, and then that might, I might use that for twenty minutes, and then I'll hopefully change it and think if I want to look up some tendencies, like what does the center do here to give away mm. a snap counter when he's going to do it, and is this certain receiver lined up only on one side of the ball and if he's if he's off the ball are they going to run it is it more of a chance of them running and all that and just find a way to have things like that going in and then I'm always writing stuff down I I let you know on my podcast I'm a I'm a big writer I don't want to I don't write intelligently my handwriting's (laughs) bad but I love to write I just love something about the physical act of writing with a pen and paper and I do that a lot with all I have tons and tons of notebooks from uh from Green Bay that have stocked up over the years. So that just has all my notes and my what I think. Because, you know, you always come back to uh, – you, you kind of have to scout coaches as well because we'll I'll always ask. Coaches to bounce around more than anybody, and I'll say, well, who's their offensive coordinator? And you find out who their offensive coordinator was. They're not going to really overhaul their whole offense they have. So if, even if they're with a different team and it's five years down the road from the last time you might have faced this guy, he's going to have a lot of the same things going on.
0: Mm, that's true. What would you say is your best asset or skill on the field and then off the field? Whew.
2: Well, I, I I like to think they're one in the same. I've butchered a quote that I've read from a like a Navy SEAL commander one time saying, if I can't trust you in everyday life, I can't trust you on the battlefield, meaning mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to be a bad dude. I'm not going to go out there and I'm not going to treat people, be disrespectful to people. Uh, I'm not going to mess around on my wife. Whatever, like, m- morals and standards I have I, that I live with in life, I want to take to the field. So I want my teammates to always trust me, and I want to be accountable to them. And that's all I've always said that. I just want them to feel like they can trust me no matter what. I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to hang them out to dry. We're all in it for the same cause, and I hope that's one of the things that my – if you talk to my teammates, they would understand, and, and hopefully my friends too, you know, off the field know that, you know, I'll, I'll – uh Die for my for my kids and my my wife and my good friends and and everybody. There's a lot of people you kind of gotta you gotta know what you're willing to uh, what you're really willing to defend with your life and and uh, I have I have certain things that I kind of things that I live by and and that's one of them that I want to try to make everybody else around me feel good about themselves. I learned that from one of my strength coaches. He's really his name's Mark levat He's up there in Green Bay. He's really changed everything and how I view. He just has a really good perspective on things and he kind of taught me perspective and don't get caught up in in everything. Cause the NFL is a it's not reality, man. It's it's, uh, it's crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. It's the greatest ride ever. But it's not real, <laughs> you know, it's not real life. I mean, no. we know that. Like you're playing a game. I was I would I was for nine straight years, I'm driving to the Lambeau field for so-called work. That's where our our parking <laughs> lot was and that's where our meetings and everything were. So I never let that get uh I never let that leave my mind. I wanted to, to always know that it was a special thing and and it always will be special.
0: What would you say your friends would say is your best
2: asset? Probably my calves. Rest- <laughs> no joking, I wish. I used to do calf raises in high school. That's another genetic thing you can't change either without yeah. steroids, probably. <laughs> sorry to sorry to give you a terrible answer. <laughs> um my best asset. See, you make me feel so weird, Lewis. Like, I feel like I'm talking about myself. And I feel <laughs> like I'm being like, uh, I feel like uh, I'm just, whatever I say is like feeding my own ego. I feel stupid. <laughs> you know? I feel like, I feel wow. like my brother's going to, my 320 pound electric, <laughs> What is his brother's going to come beat me up when he hears this. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I think like, like anything, I think they can count on me. I think my friends will know that I'm super loyal and learning from guys like you i'm i'm learning to i have a big problem i'm like naturally a shy kind of um guy that doesn't get involved and doesn't put myself like into situations i shouldn't be a part of but now i've over time over the last probably three four or five years and i become aware of guys like you aubrey marcus um just different guys that make you think differently uh when someone and i teach my kids this when someone does something that's awesome and i respect it i tell them like it might this might get awkward like sometimes it is awkward if you like it's a stranger okay like, hey, man i just want to let you know i really respect your passion up there if it's like a mm. an open night mic at the coffee shop you know <laughs> i'm like I, I gotta let them know but then i also try to figure out on the flip side if someone sucks i want to tell them they suck and not sugarcoat <laughs> so i'm pretty i'm not as good at that at letting people sure. know if i if I disagree or I don't think they're doing the right thing, a lot of times I'll just let them go. But sometimes I think it's good for everybody to let them know that. Amen. Hey, yeah. Like I don't have, I don't, have, I don't ever claim to have any answers, but I can, I could tell you that I, uh, what's like worked for me and what hasn't worked for yeah, me.
0: Exactly. So, yeah. You're just a good Ohio boy. We all, we all come from that same place. Just corn for just grew up on a farm,
2: <laughs> you know, just milking cows and everything, right? <laughs> exactly. Isn't that every Ohio kid? <laughs>
0: exactly. It's not me. I did not grow up on a farm. <laughs> what is um, what's your vision for the rest of your career? you've had nine epic years uh, with Green Bay now you're I don't even know what's happened in the last week. Are you picked up yet or what's, what's your... I'm
2: a I think free agency starts here soon uh, I'm, I'm officially I mean, I'm officially a free agent right now and
0: it's a new world for me um if you could write they... your, if you could write the last chapters of your NFL career, whether that's one season, ten seasons, whatever it may be, what do you want to write?
2: Well, it's not going to be 10
0: seasons because I won't
2: remember my name if I play another <laughs> 10 seasons, that's for sure. But um, I would hope I, – I never want to put like a year of numbers on it because I've, I've been super fortunate to play nine years so far, and yeah. I feel good. I feel really good healthily. My Health-wise, uh, my brain feels good, which is the most important thing out of everything. Uh, I can't replace that. I can get knee replacements, hip replacements, whatever. Can't change my brain out. Um, but if I could write it, um, the only thing that ever comes to my mind – and it sounds like I'm lying, is that I just need more rings. I got one Super Bowl ring. I need more. Like, I getting there and getting that one made, made me realize that everything else sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's terrible. We got beat in the NFC Championship game in a brutal game this year. So,
0: so tough, man. Yeah, and it's uh, like,
2: that's... it's so, I realize how hard it is to get there and to win a ring. Like, look at Seattle. They went back-to-back, and then they had that game one. Oh, and they Bam. blew it yeah one play it's over when they would that like rewrites your whole the whole dynasty they had going on so i know how hard it is um but i just want to get back there so bad so i whatever team that may be um coming up here in free agency anything can happen you can go anywhere um i'm willing to do whatever man it's not about uh especially at this point in my my career it's not about money i'm not going to sit there and hold out and try to Get a couple extra bucks that I feel I deserve. I don't care really. I'm I was lucky enough to get drafted when uh rookies when they, when didn't they gave big signing bonuses. <laughs> yeah, rookies didn't have that. They weren't slotted back when I got drafted. So yeah, I, I'm aware of that. And um What was I your signing went,
0: what was your signing bonus then? It was public, right?
2: Uh, yeah, like it's split up into multiple things. Like, there's a signing bonus, roster bonus, but yeah, when my where I was at, it was like I don't know, 12 or 15. It's a nice time to
0: change, right? When you're 22 years
2: old, (laughs) yeah, I'm sorry, I feel like an idiot even saying that. Um, but yeah, it's all publics now, yeah, yeah, but yeah, don't worry, I already spent all that on you know, I got nothing nothing left, exactly. I'm just straggling. That's why I'm talking to guys like you. I'm trying to learn how to (laughs) make some money online,
0: exactly. That's funny. Well, okay. So the ring, I I feel that. Um, who has been the the like the athlete that you played against? Where you're just like this guy. Obviously, everyone is a freak in the NFL, pretty much. Ninety percent of people, and there's guys who are just like worked their butt off and made it happen, who have great talent as well. But who is the guy that you're like? This guy is the greatest athlete freak I have ever seen. Maybe they're not the best person. Maybe they're not the most consistent, but like, wow, when he wanted to turn it on, he is unstoppable.
2: Well, for me, there, there's a bunch of them, but it's pretty easy. Um, a little guy by the name of Adrian Peterson came in the league one year after me. He's played for the Vikings, so they're in our they were in our division. I played him twice a year <laughs> for eight years, <laughs> and that guy is an absolute monster. And he's I, I tell people I have, I have a ton of respect for this dude, and I, I understand he was suspended and how he was parenting his child, whatever. I don't even know the whole story, but so people all will have strong opinions both ways on him. But if it's purely as a football player and how I've dealt with him. Personally, he's always been awesome, super respectful, and he's like the – he's what happens when – I was just talking with someone about this the other day. He is what happens when you're born an absolute genetic freak with tons and tons of gifts and skill – but then you he also works his balls off, man. And, and he works hard off the field and does everything and just loves it. Absolutely loves it. And I could feel his passion. Like you could tackle the dude and you're like, you gotta be kidding me. There'll be times he's tackled, he's on the ground and his feet are still driving. He's knees, he's got this crazy knee drive, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not going down. Sorry guys, like this is happening. And then when he does get tackled, he's genuinely like pissed every time. Like, damn, I was supposed I to take score. that one. I will well, just take that one hundred like every run for him is a touchdown <laughs> in his mind.
0: God, he runs so hard. It's just like a train, man. Once it gets oh, going, you can't stop him.
2: He lowers his head and he'll if he catches you, he'll gore you, man. He'll he'll end your life. You got to watch out. You got to get him first.
0: <laughs> Amazing. What is the what is the um? I'm always fascinated by elite athletes and the drive that helps them get to where they are. What do you feel like is the common thread between a majority of the athletes obviously everyone has a different drive of getting there but is there a common thread of the drive of the determination of the motivation behind why guys get to the nfl and how they make it happen can you can you speak into that
2: i don't know if there's one thing that has like one single thread that goes through everybody but i think i think everybody's motivated by in different ways you can't pretend to you know Mm -hmm guy like Ray Lewis is going to motivate some people, and other people might be turned off by that, you know, mm-hmm. over-the-top rah-rah craziness. Um, but regardless of what people's motivation are and – the The sad thing is that a lot of people now, especially with how kind of culture is, are are motivated by fame and money. Because you're, you know, you get the you get to the league, you're making a lot of money, and people are going to know who you are. The the better player you are, so people are motivated by that. And I I've, I've always told like t- teammates of mine, I'm like, hey man, especially especially younger guys too. Um, it's just different, you know, the old us old crusty guys like me talking <laughs> about like the new the millennials, you know. But they're 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 great kids too. Believe me. I think I've I've always never shied away from that telling teammates I'm like, hey man, if if you're motivated by by money and fame and all this, I was like, hey, that's that's fine. I I don't have to agree with you, but we're all in it for the cause, and if the team does well, you do well. So yeah. I think just motivation is a weird thing for me, man, because I I always feel like if you have to get motivated. Then you shouldn't. You're in the wrong job. You're in the wrong profession. We all need little things here and there. Where you got to watch a Will Smith video and listen to him <laughs> talk about. I uh, will not. You know he's got. He's not going to. What do you say? I'm, I'm not afraid to die in a treadmill. I love that's that. The greatest slide, Yeah. That's the greatest thing ever, and I love it. And you're like, oh my god, this guy is amazing. I show my kids <laughs> YouTube clips of him. Um, but I think regardless of what your motivation is, you shouldn't have to have a guy. Get up there and tell you every day and give you a rah-rah speech to get going. You need to, you need to be intrinsically motivated. I've said before, and I know, I think most players are, to, to be honest. And if you're not, you're not going to be around very long. Your your skills, your the talent you're born with, uh, is only going to last you so long. And, and everybody's seen that. They, they've seen guys that right. have every physical tool in the world, and they just can't put it together because either their heart's not in it, or they just don't want to work at it.
0: Mm couple questions left. What are you most grateful for in your life, AJ? Mm.
2: Well, everything. I think the, the easy answer is, the, is my wife and kids, um, but that's a boring answer, and that that's an easy one I think that anybody would take. As long as they're good, I'm good. That's like this whole situation. I got Packers released me after nine years, and I knew it was coming. They were, they were awesome, super classy and great guys, and I have a ton of respect for them, and people would come to me like... Like it's like I had died, and I, I think I was quoted in my podcast or someone because I think my grandma or someone told me. And <laughs> I said, like, I, it's all right. My my wife's all right. My kids are all right. Let's all have some perspective here. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I got I had a great nine years. I'm very grateful for that. So I, I think I'm grateful that I have some. Over the years, I've kind of got some perspective on things, and I don't know. Like football wise, it's hard for me to say. I always like I think everything is intertwined. There's nothing. I don't separate things. Like I don't separate how I. Approach football from how I approach life, and how I want to be a parent and a husband, and all that. It all kind of carries over. But I'm grateful, honestly, that I've I've grown up enough, or I've become aware enough to seek things like listening to to honestly guys like you, guys like Tim Ferriss, uh, Pat Flynn, mm-hmm. Joe Rogan, nice. like I all these people that I I feel like that's a big thing that I've learned is I got to have like a, a unique like diverse group of friends because hmm. if I if all my buddies were like me it'd be terrible man it'd be boring no one <laughs> no one would be salsa dancing like you it wouldn't be funny like we wouldn't it wouldn't be that cool man so I, I think I just I don't know like I'm always I'm just curious I want to be constantly curious and I that's cool it's terrible because it comes back to my I, I keep bringing stuff back to my kids so I'm, I'm sure people get annoyed by it but it's like <laughs> you listen to like a listen to a four-year-old listen to my daughter. Why? Why dad? Why? what is that? Why? Why? And I'm like, sometimes you can get like frustrated with it, but I always, then I start to realize, like, well, no, she's actually right. Like you should question things. You should uh, want to know why things are the way they are.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: I like that. She asked Lewis, what about this question real quick? Sorry to turn on. I had to write this one down on my phone. So my wife and I are sitting there. My four-year-old said, <laughs> she said, dad, how did God create himself? <laughs> That's a great question. I literally stopped in my tracks and I was like, you know what? <laughs> that's an absolutely wow. amazing an amazing question you asked. I said, Thank that's you for brilliant. your great, great question. And I tried, I said something I was like, you know, he just has so much love for everybody and has so much respect. And he's respectful to his parents. And he's such a good guy. And he has so much love that boom, there he was. <laughs> like I tried to come up with something, you know, to make her like spread love and be nice to her friends and be <laughs> a good girl. And but I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This four-year-old girl. Ask the question that I mean. I don't know how you top that question, <laughs> honestly. That's great. I've I've never thought of that. That's I know. Crazy. That's I'm like your brain, and that's why I always think it's one of my notes. I want to want to. I do some speaking gigs here and there, and it's one of my things is to be ask questions like a little kid. You know, why not? I remember doing that, asking my dad on the way to basketball tournaments and stuff. He would ask me, or we would be talking, and I would always just keep asking him why, why, why do I want to know? And for whatever reason, I'm I'm definitely guilty of it a lot of times we don't ask questions whether I, i'm you're scared of be either you don't want to annoy the person or you don't want to be the guy in the room that doesn't sure. know what the person's the talking. about. yeah you don't look exactly stupid. yeah because you want oh, you're you idiot. <laughs> you idiot i knew that one. Like, oh, <laughs> no. oh, did you bud
0: <laughs> what's uh what's your biggest fear aj biggest fear um gosh
2: this is good you know i, I should have probably like Problem was I had you on my podcast, so <laughs> not, I was preparing for that instead of preparing to answer some of the questions I know that you <laughs> asked. So it's good, though. It's good. I would say my biggest fear, just off the top of my head, to think about it, would be like not having, not having something that I'm passionate to work towards, to do, to have, like um, to be chasing all the time. Like it might, it sounds stupid and and anything, but. Of course, sports are – I'm super passionate about it and that's like – that's my thing. It's been the vehicle for everything I've done. It's opened up a lot of doors. But even like my own podcast, I've really like grown into loving, putting myself kind of in these like awkward situations for me, <laughs> being like a quiet kid and doing stuff like this and hosting my own deal. Um, But I would say if like if that ever happened to where I didn't get excited for something, then I'd start to get worried. You know, like aside from your, your family, if, I, if there wasn't like something – on the side that I was like, this is what, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And yeah, it it may branch into a million different things, just like what you do, but there's gotta be something you get just get excited for, man. And and I have a lot of things going on like that outside of football right now that I just love to do. And other people don't understand it and they don't, you try to explain it to them and they just their eyes glaze over and whatever. But it's just, to me, it's just, it's what I love. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, if that ever went away, man, you know, I, uh, probably got the ALS Lou Gehrig's disease from football and sue <laughs> yeah. the league. I don't know, man. That, that'd just be terrible. You know, like that's when they say people die. Like when a coach, like coach retires and they don't have anything they're working towards, they don't have any like common things. Like, yeah, they don't have a purpose to wake up for. You're dead then. Why, why are you here? Mm, yeah. So I don't want to lose that basically.
0: No, no, that's a good answer. Um, God, I had another question I was going to ask you. That was a good one. And I'm trying to remember what it is right now. Huh. Oh, here's what it nope. is. Here's what it nope. is. I got it. Um, if you have one or two sentences to leave to the world, everything else is deleted and erased online of everything you've ever said or done. But you get one or two sentences to say what you want to for your family, your kids, the world to know, a message for them to know about what you believe in, your truth, something, what would you leave? Well... I would uh, I would sorry to put you on the
2: spot there. I would put this is good, man. That's why you're that's why you're you're the best. You know what this makes me all this does is make me feel like an idiot about my (laughs) podcast now, like of me (laughs) rambling, as you can see from my answers here, just rambling and thinking on off the top of my head. And I see like how concise and good you are at asking these questions and what you're doing. So this is good, man. This is great like schooling for me. This is a great education to see how a pro like you does it. But if I had to give a sentence or something. A phrase, a sentence. Phrase. A something. You know what instantly popped in my head while you were asking that was, uh, <laughs> was uh, from Gladiator. Are you not entertained? <laughs> For some reason, I <laughs> thought that. That would not be what I'd leave, but I would leave. Maybe that would be like a side note at the bottom.
0: Drop the mic. Yeah, Hawk.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? What the hell is that? They haven't even seen the movie Gladiator. <laughs> uh, Gladiator got erased too, so we're, we're all screwed. They all just think I'm a weirdo. Um, I don't know if I could come up with a phrase, I would try to say, I I would want to get across the point that maybe a guy like you that that's a, a learned writer, everything you do, you could phrase it for me after I give you my thoughts. But like, um, something about like, just be something about being transparent and being authentic. Like it would definitely have to do with just, just be you, like be, authentic no matter what that is. That's the thing I talk about on my, my podcast a lot. Like if you're the biggest dick in the world, who cares? Be the biggest dick. I'll at least respect <laughs> the fact that you're a dick, but don't fake it and tell me and act like you're this just great dude. And you pray for 14 hours a day. And when you really, you're the most jealous, insecure dude in the world, whatever you are, just be you. So, something about being authentic i think somehow I, how i could have smart guys like you write it down and phrase it so it <laughs> sounds much better for my kids but i just want people to be real and um and be transparent and we need to see not only like the good awesome times but we need to see people struggle and that helps all the time i talked to a lot of military guys on my my podcast and they they tell the guys that are just these crazy, powerful stories about, like, hey, man, it's not all champagne and roses. There's, there's a lot of bad things that happen, and we all can come out from the other side, and that's inspirational to me. So I need to, we need to see everything, though. Like, we need to know the things that Brad Pitt struggles with, you know? Like, whatever's in his mind, it's not everything's not perfect for a guy like that or all these people we see on TV we think have the perfect life. They struggle with the same things that all of us do, and let's just all get it out there so we can all, you know, grow a little bit.
0: Right. What's the main thing you struggle with? I try to,
2: I felt, see, now I, <laughs> now I also feel like it's like an ego thing that I don't want to come across like I have a big ego or something. Like, that's like one of my things, actually. I I actually don't, my dad told me a while ago, like, when reporters or people would ask me questions, I would just, I would just shit on myself the whole time. You know, I don't know, whatever, you know, like, just talk bad about it. Like, because I just felt weird talking about myself. Right. But, um, I think I I would, if I, sometimes I struggle, and I talk to Aubrey about this, like, (laughs) I, sometimes I question for sure, like, why do, why do good things happen to the supposed bad people (laughs) that you see around, you know, and why do, on the flip side, why do really terrible things happen to people that I've seen are just the greatest humans alive, you know, why, why does this happen, and I, I don't know if I'll ever get the answer, or I'll ever figure it out. But I'm always kinda that's like a thing that just a, a theme that pops up into my head every once in a while. And I, I hate both sides of it. And I hate when I, I acknowledge the fact when I do have those thoughts and I just try to try to figure it out. Ask smart people like you. What do you think? Of that? Why why do why do good things happen to bad people and why do really bad things happen to good people? Oh
0: man. That is a great question. Uh you know, the only, the thing that popped into my head when you said that is that the only way I can really justify it is that everything happens for a reason, and I would say that you know, in our core, we're all good humans. We all have good intentions. Um, but sometimes
2: do we? Do you think we're born? Are we all born with like good intentions?
0: I feel like we're all born. Well, I mean, I think ninety nine point nine percent of us are born with uh huge hearts. What about Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah, I mean ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> like a real. I mean, real, here's the th- here's the stuff. thing. I think we're all born with hearts to love. I think that's like our intention is to come from a place of love, and that's why when we're children, we want attention, we want to smile and laugh. And I think every now and then, we our uh, environment and the things that happen to us and our, you know the experience that we go through shape us into not having as much love, and then we choose what we want to do after that. But I think we come from a place of. We have big hearts and we want to experience love, but our fears take us over sometimes, and so we choose to live in fear and hate, uh, and anger or manipulation, and uh, want to just do bad things. So, you know, I honestly don't have the answer, but that's how I justify it, I guess. And that's what I what I think. Okay,
2: yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that it's one of those things that it's not like nothing's black and white, cut and dry. But it's just one of those deals that it kills me, It breaks your heart to see, like. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. You see parents lose little
0: kids. No, it's horrible.
2: Whatever. That stuff's different than when you see like a guy who you know doesn't <laughs> doesn't work and right. you know, cheats on his wife and messes around and just exactly. treats people horrendously and then they pump him up and he's you know, it all comes it all figures it itself back. out. Yeah. yeah, it all it exactly. all figures itself out. And I don't wanna wish bad on anybody, that's for sure. Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right, I I feel like I can talk to you. I said we we're going to do it for like 30 45 minutes, but this is like an over an hour now and I, w- I want to keep asking you questions. Is it really over an hour? Yeah, I think so. It's over an hour now. But uh I want I want to keep asking you questions, but I want to do it for another time. And I want to, I want to do it actually, I want to videotape us doing a workout together or like throwing a football yes. or something. So, when I come back to Ohio during your off season,
2: come in the spring or something, man. I got 9 time? acres, 9 acres close to where you grew up. Upper so, you're can- Dublin, huh? Yeah, like north, north a little bit. So I got wow. some space. Got a gate and fence, and Dude. we can lock it. I got a weight room in the basement. Sweet. I got on it. I got on it. Zombie kettlebells. I got yes. the primal bells, and we honestly, I'm not joking. People think I'm joking. When the weather gets decent, I go out and I I take my axe and hatch it. and I there's tree lined on three sides, and I chop. One trees and I chop the dead wood out of there and I just, it's part of my work and I just put them on my back and lunge and squat and run around like Rocky Dude. and just it feels amazing man and then I take them <laughs> chop up the wood and I burn them in my fireplace at night with my kids and roast marshmallows so it all it's all being used amazing
0: I'm gonna come and do this one day I promise you that Let's if, do it. if I'm invited I'm coming
2: <laughs> you are you have an open invitation please let me know because I'll have a billion questions for you man because I want <laughs> I got a lot of things that I'm I want to learn from you because you you're got you doing it, man. You're out there and you're hustling. I love it.
0: I appreciate it. Well, yeah, awesome. We'll plan to do another one then because um, I have a lot of more questions for you. To be honest, I want to acknowledge you really quick before I ask you my final question. I want to acknowledge you, AJ, because this interview for me is as big of a privilege and a pleasure as it was interviewing Tony Robbins and other people like that because of who you are. And, you know, you know since the moment I watched you on TV for Ohio State to now – Everything I've seen about you, heard about you, experienced about you, has been like you are living and being what you, what your message is to the world, which is to be real and to be you. And whatever you are, own it. And that's what I've seen in you for the last decade. And uh, you've owned that. You don't try to be smarter than you are. You don't try to act different than you are. You just are who you are. And I also acknowledge, so I acknowledge that first off, and I also acknowledge your willingness to learn because I feel like there are so many guys, professional athletes or people who are at the top of their game in certain business even that feel like they've got it all figured out, feel like they don't need to learn anymore. uh, Don't take on new skills. Don't get uncomfortable in something outside of what they're already doing. And for you to start a podcast and reaching out to different types of people and doing what you're doing, I think is so awesome and so cool and I want to acknowledge you for all of that. So it's been a pleasure uh, having you on. I'm going to tell everyone to make sure I'm going to have this linked up in the show notes where you can check out AJ Hawk's podcast. I believe it's called The Hawkcast, right? Hawkcast.com.
2: Yeah, it's corny, but I had to have a name. No, yeah. I like it. It's
0: cool. Yeah, The Hawkcast. And, and you do good video interviews. You've got some awesome people on there. You got Herbstreak on there. You got a lot of cool.
2: John uh, Daly smoking cigs the whole time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got some cool people on there. Yeah. Um. So I'll have that linked up. Make sure people check it out. But it's been a privilege having you on, man, and sharing uh, and sharing your story and message to the world. My final question this time is: What's your definition of greatness?
2: I thought about this one too, Lewis. Um <laughs> But then I, did, I wanted it to be like spontaneous, and that's the problem when you interview one of your fanboys; they already know a lot of the questions coming <laughs> up. Not a lot of them, but the ones I know how you end them. Um. Well, first, I just I want to. Say thanks for the nice words, man. That makes me uh, feel honored and weird and awkward all at the same time. You know, it's always weird when people, you know, appreciate what you do or how you care yourself or whatever. Um, just makes you f- makes me feel almost embarrassed. But hopefully, someday I can get comfortable with that. But yeah, man, it's uh like I said, from from people that are very open and honest and aren't scared of putting them themselves out there. Like yourself, I uh, I'm trying to uh, I kind of do that too. I always let people know, um, like yeah, I remember when I was in seventh grade, and I was trying to act like I was the toughest guy in the room. When people laugh at me when I tell them that I was, you know, I cried at a movie or commercial or stuff. I don't care. I'm not scared to admit it. I cry all the time, man. My kids <laughs> did it. My kids did it to me. But. Uh, <laughs> It did, and so like I don't. There's nothing to hide. We have nothing to hide. If you have something to hide, you're doing something wrong. So that's yeah. that's something I've learned from guys like you. So I really appreciate you the nice words you said about me. And and uh, but my definition of greatness, man. Um, I uh, I don't know. Like I don't. Like I said before, I don't ever, if I ever go speak to a team I've or uh, Ohio State every once in a while, I've gone and spoken to those guys. I let them know right off the bat from the jump, I'm like, hey man, I'm just gonna let you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't have any of the answers probably, but I'm gonna let you know what's worked for me and what hasn't worked for you because I hate when people come in and they start preaching to me right from the start. Mm-hmm. I just, it turns me off instantly. So if I had to like, in a roundabout way to answer your question about greatness, um, you can tell how wishy washy I am. <laughs> the fact that I watch your podcast and I listen, I'm like, oh man, if I ever do this, what would I answer? What would my answer be of greatness? And I have nothing. I mean, I do I just have like that's my problem. I have five billion things in my head that I don't know exactly which one. But I would say honestly, for me, greatness is being being authentic, chasing whatever you're passionate about, regardless of how much money you make, if it gives you notoriety, if it does anything, just having it satisfy any whatever that hunger is you're good you have and you don't have to sell yourself you know sell your soul your soul the devil you don't have to step outside of who you really are to do that and um that would be greatness for me not a great explanation but you know maybe <laughs> next, maybe next time I'll, I'll write something down i don't it's all know great being real
0: you know. being, being real. real you're being yourself and that's your trying message. yeah like that's I said, I'm
2: just a dumb football player. I don't have a real job. I've never had to have a real job. That's why I always uh, – that's why I like guys like you,
0: man. You guys are doing it. It's cool. There you go. There you go. And, you know, to be honest, Jack Canfield, I don't know if you remember listening to that one, he said every time, even when you're sarcastic – and this is something I do, I put myself down sometimes as well. He said even when you're sarcastic and you put yourself down, you're, you're sending a message to yourself, and you want to make sure whatever message you're sending to yourself is positive. So <laughs> – I do remember that. Unfortunately. It might be something to think about. I'm not saying it's easy.
2: Yeah, I, I remember that. I just didn't. Uh, I didn't carry it with me. And when I listened to that two days ago, <laughs> but yeah, it say a lot. It's. It may be simple, but it's not easy. That's. It's one of those things. You got to find a way to live it. And I'm. Uh, exactly. We're always on a constant journey. No one's. I don't think we ever get there. But hopefully, we can. We can take those steps.
0: Exactly. It's all about it's pro progress, not perfection. AJ Hawk, you are the man, brother. I'm so glad you came on and we got connected, and uh, I'll be definitely coming to chop some wood sometime soon. So, thank you so much for coming on, my man.
2: Thank you very much. Open offer out here, nine acres. I'll bring, bring your own apps, or I have two of them and multiple hatchets for you.
0: I'm in. I appreciate it. Deal. <laughs> And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode with uh, my man, AJ. If you want to check out more with the links that we had and the the information that we talked about on this podcast, go back to lewishouse.com slash 149. And you can check out all the links back to AJ's Twitter and to his podcast as well. You can see my episode up on there little video interview that we did. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. And also when you go to lewishouse.com slash 149, make sure to subscribe to my free newsletter. I give a lot of great free tips every single week, and you'll be up to date on what's happening with the podcast because we'll send a newsletter out each and every week. So make sure to check out lewishouse.com slash 149 for the full show notes, all the links for AJ. Keep in touch with him. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends over on Twitter, Facebook, instagram all that good stuff i appreciate you guys so much and uh i'm gonna have to have aj back on or we're gonna have to do a video doing a workout at his house sometime. so again thank you guys for joining me today this was a lot of fun for me to uh interview a a fellow football guy someone who's uh, achieved a lot more success than i have in the football arena fun to always connect with ohio guys and uh stay connected to my roots so thank you guys again so much for coming on you know what time it is? It's time to go out there and do something great. <laughs>
1: Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format,